So, so, so this, I, my, my initial idea was for us to do the pod, the pods usually about like an hour and a half hour, 20 minutes for us to do the first hour with different names. And then with the last 20 minutes, we wake up and then we use our real names, but I think it would get a little bit confusing. Um, yeah, I like that. Uh, I, whatever will enhance the duality, you know? Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so this is the juice, which is a podcast where I, talk with my friends and other musicians I look up, look up to about their favorite movies. Uh, so for you, we've talked about this a little bit um, over the course of like, we, we, we met each other earlier this year in February. And I would say mm -hmm. like, we are both of our bands were on tour together. And um, we uh, about three days in started get, to get to talk about movies a little bit. And I kind of pieced together that you're a bit of a Lynch guy. Um, mm -hmm. so I, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pass you the puck. Like you let you stick handle a little bit. Uh, <laughs> well, if I remember at that time, we were probably getting psyched to come home and see like Bo is afraid or something, which is like, which is a perfect window into this world, which is, you know, I, I basically realized in the last couple of years that I, I have a favorite kind of movie genre that all my all these pictures that I love that challenge me that I keep coming back to are and they're basically like I don't know how else to describe it besides like basically like nightmare you know nightmare cinema in a way you know it's just the, the, these movies that like you're plopped into a dream uh space the rules kind of don't apply trap doors are opening you know you got your your bows afraid your after hours your you know charlie kaufman kind of movies um you know and then something that's like you know probably a big influence on this movie a movie like persona oh, um yeah. you know hour of the wolf stuff like that that's like you know um eight and a half you know has that that total kind of vibe and when i started looking back and looking over all these movies that i love i was like well that's this common thread and that weighs so heavy on David Lynch's work, and you see it manifest in so many different ways, um, you know, all the way back to Eraserhead, really. And yep. Um, yeah. Yep. So, so I was going to say, I, I, I fumbled this a bit. I was going to say, first of all, I haven't properly introduced you. Your name is Dan Briggs. You play in a band called Between the Buried and Me, as well as your own vehicle for your own solo stuff, Nightmare Scenario, which is adjacent to Nightmare Cinema, as you cinema. call it. <laughs> right, right, right. But I should probably trademark that. I could That could be my next spinoff. Oh, it absolutely could. Uh, and you play in a band called TriosCapes, as well as Nova Collective. Am I forgetting anything? I mean, you know, there's there's other groups that I was in before, but it's you yeah. know, it, it the, the 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 stuff that's active, you pretty much nailed in mm -hmm. one one form or another, and yeah, it's it, it never stops. It never stops. I'm in the middle of a nice break at home, and I'm trying to get two new groups off the ground oh. uh, right now, while also writing other material. And you know, we got a couple festivals that we're doing right now. So, yep, yep. And uh, I was I was gonna ask. Um, 
Oh, what was I going to ask? Oh, forget it. I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. It's, oh, here's what I was going to say. Uh, kind of adjacent to this nightmare cinema thing, this, this uh, umbrella that you've got all these movies under. I was going to say, there's three things we have in common. Uh, I'm going to let you guess what the three are. I mean, there's more than three, but there's three big things that I think we have in common. And one of them is adjacent to the umbrella of nightmare movies but but i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and this this i was thinking about this earlier today when i was like how should i properly intro this pod i've completely butchered it but i think we're like i think <laughs> i think we're we're off and running so it's completely fine i'm gonna tell you my three after you can guess what the three are the three uh, big, my big three that that you i have in common with you uh prog rock um <laughs> you know uh yeah, weirdo movies um and uh, I don't know. I was gonna say big coats, but I don't. I don't. I don't really have a big coat. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Not not a big coat, but it, this it kind of. Uh, I'm sure the term is has been used in the television show, but Seinfeld was gonna be my. Oh, of course, of course. My three were gonna be. We both love prog rock, Seinfeld, and pervert movies, and and oh, it's yeah. like it, it. I I feel like it's adjacent to the nightmare stuff. Um, right, and I'm. I'm glad that you brought up the 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 personas, the eight and a halfs as well. I think this is the first Fellini mm -hmm. drop on the pod. Um, but but yeah, so I I I wanted to the I'm going to keep it broad at first, and then we're going to get into the movie itself. Then I'm going to ask you a couple okay. dumb questions. Um, the the broad stroke stuff, and I think this will be most interesting with someone like you that is very much engulfed in art twenty four seven. I feel like. Um, your relationship with movies from a young age, where where does it start? And what's like the first memory you have with any movie, whether it's, you know, a kid's movie or more young adult stuff? Yeah, I remember my favorite animated movie when I was a kid was The Brave Little Toaster, um, which I don't like really think lived on outside of like my, you know, my th that that very like 88, 89, 90 kind of generation. Um, sure. And then um, I almost feel like it was kind of like a precursor to Toy Story kind of idea, you know, sure. the, the, these forgotten objects that have to find their way back to their their person or whatever, from what I remember. Um, and then, you know, it was something like, I mean, my my absolute favorites, first favorites were probably Karate Kid and 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 Batman, you know. Um, Burton? Burton Batman? Burton, Burton. Yeah, oh my God, that 89, it was, I mean, phenomenon you know and I, and I remember that because I was four or five you know six you know as that was hitting as it was coming out on VHS and that was that was huge um you know my window in with Lynch was actually right around the same time because my dad was all hopped up on Twin Peaks when it um was airing and so I would you know it was this mix of like curiosity you know I think I loved some of the humor, you know, and I loved Cooper and the demeanor and that kind of stuff. But my ultimate boogeyman growing up, you know, wasn't Freddy Krueger and, um, you know, Jason, Michael Myers, any of that shit. It was, it was Bob, you know, Bob, Bob was the scariest thing because it was, um, I, I guess it was, it, you know, I, again, Time back in with this movie, it's it's that idea of putting a nightmare in a, a real setting. You know what I right. mean? And the 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 rules feel upside down. Um it doesn't feel right. And so 
that was my like terrifying thing growing up was were these images crawling over the couch, you know, backwards sure. talking, you know, really like I shouldn't have been <laughs> around the TV at five, six, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and, I, and go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say straight up avoiding it, you know, growing up. And then my window in was, was actually when this movie came out, hmm. you know, and, um, and I saw this, you know, what, 20, 20 some years ago 22 is is when it came out so 2001 it came out i was yeah. i was nine not on my radar at all david lynch isn't on my radar until i'm exiting high school and my wife now i've been friends with her all throughout growing up in middle school high school she goes away to sva and uh you know uh, i'm i'm a kid uh who likes like uh, the the more uh the more accessible weirdo stuff that's like your Tarantino, your Coen brothers, yeah. that kind of like when, when it comes to movies and outside of the kind of more uh, the deeper dives I've done into sci-fi and horror sci-fi because of my dad and then horror because I, you know, branched off of the sci-fi, but right. I, I'll never forget. She was like, uh, yeah, it's a lot less about that Tarantino Coen brother stuff here and more about David Lynch. And I was like, all right, what's up with this? What's up with this David Lynch guy? And yeah. we watched, Mulholland Drive is my first thing. And I was, so I was nine when this came out, obviously, you know, maybe a decade later, I finally see it. So how old are you when this comes out? Oh, uh, I was in, I was in high school. So it was prime, you know, I was into, I was also into the, the nineties, some of the, the indie stuff that was happening, you know? Um, yep. And then, you know, movies like right around the same time was like Richard Linklater's Waking Life, cool um and uh and like donnie darko donnie darko was huge for me as far as like makes you know, sense broadening expanding you know what i mean uh yep. being really hard memento i think was the same year as um as mahalan drive so yep. they, these movies that are kind of like puzzles that are shot so much different than you're used to uh laid out differently um so yeah it was it was kind of it was kind of a perfect time and um yeah, man, all, all these years later, it's it's stuck with me big time. Okay, so the one other broad stroke question that I'm going to ask before I, I do want to uh, get a little bit into Lynch uh, before yeah. we jump right into Mulholland Drive is I, especially now, I think, it, I think this kind of started right around the isolation COVID era where I'm trying to like play my guitar for eight hours a day and watch four movies and listen to six records where I'm like, let me just cram in all of this uh -huh. stuff. It's, it's too, it, it was, it was like overload, but because of it, I discovered a bunch of, a bunch of things. And then I, I was trying to like, just jig new ways of, of writing and, and uh, like trying to draw influence from things outside of my regular I'm listening to a song. I like this. Let me try and write something like this. And one of the things that kind of hit me was like, I became obsessed with structure is one of the things. And then I tried to think structure, like, you know, uh, we're, we're, we come from a world where deviating traditional song structure is like kind of our bread and butter where it's that that's the, like, that's easy for us where, uh, the idea of almost keeping something to a traditional song structure is harder than zigging yeah. and zagging. And I thought about traditional uh, traditional movie structure and these movies that deviated from that. And this is obviously one of them where it's like the, the rules don't apply. 
mm-hmm. in the world of the movie because it because it is effectively a dream for most of it. Um, and then I, I I was thinking about like just you know different things that inspire me when I'm watching movies, whether it is structure and how to like mimic structure, not uh, from a song where I'm like, oh, it's cool how they go into this instrumental break here or they, you know, they, they skip a chorus here or something like that. And more about like, uh, how does this uh, director structure his movie or editor or whatever? And yeah. uh, how can I, how can I mirror that with a song or music or whatever? I, outside of the like very uh, obvious, I hear something in a score and I think that melody's cool. Let me yeah. try and warp that. Is there anything when it comes to watching movies in particular that inspires you to write music? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's like my, no, I'm not saying that's my least favorite question, but my least favorite mm-hmm. question is, and I get it. Cause from, from a non-musician, which obviously you're not, you're not yeah. um, but from a non-musician is like, how do you guys write this stuff? Like what, yeah, and you're yeah. just like, oh, I tell you how the creative process works where it's, it's everything that I've experienced in life. It's every piece of art I've seen, every film I've seen, every like walk in my yard I've taken, you know, mm-hmm. like conversations that I have with artists and stuff yep. that inspire you and get you psyched. Um, but I think, I yeah, I think like you were saying, you know, when, when you fill your stuff, when you fill your head with stuff that's left of center and that becomes normal, you know, and, and one of my, yeah. if, we, if we're looking at it before getting into Mulholland, but if we look at this kind of like direct, um, you know, kind of like trilogy of films that he set up with Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive and Inland Empire, mm-hmm. um, there's a page turn moment. There's a page turn moment that happens where it's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? We're upside yep. down. Um, Bill Pullman has disappeared, you know, um, and and that's that's that to me, you know, I've you know, I know that I've I've got songs, you know, nightmare scenario in between the barrier to me where there's there's page turns, you know, in the arrangements. And yeah. it's and and I I super I love that, you know, and you know, for someone like, like directly like you were saying, you know, almost writing something like I'll listen to the Beatles and you know, the first minute, minute and a half of a song, they've already gone through verse chorus verse chorus and they're somewhere new and i'm like that's yeah i would love to do that that's unreal you know and i almost feel like you know for between the bear to me we have had some experiments you know where where it feels left of center to actually write something straight you know what i mean and we've done we've done that um and you're it's never purposeful you're just Mm -hmm. The older you get and the more you're, we've done this and stuff, the, the the better we are about finding, I think, the core of a tune and and seeing it through. And that ties right into Mulholland Drive, which I feel like this is his most, I think there's a core and he sees it and there's so much of him around it, but it's just so like fucking, it's almost like lean in a way. I don't know. It's yeah. I, I get what you mean about that in the sense that like th- this feels like uh, the the way that I put it is this is the most uh, this is the least frustrating quote unquote confusing movie ever. It's like right. the easiest watch in the world, and I think that's the the core that you're talking about. It's like the yeah. he's he's it's it's almost like he's he's in his he he it's prime Lynch, and it's not yeah. like he's completely incapable of making a traditional movie because 
I mean, Wild at Heart is is kind of a traditional movie in in structure. Uh, the well, it's, straight it's, story is very you know very straight. You know, it's very that's, that's the Disney one, right? Yep. So as far as Lynch goes, and this was this is going to be a bit of a uh, a bomb that I'm dropping. Not not an entire because I think that I've mentioned this to you on this last tour that we were on. Uh, but I'm 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 pulling up I'm pulling up his filmography right now. But le- before I do it, let me just say I think I've got most of them under my belt except for Twin Peaks. I have completely not not watched Twin Peaks at all. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. That's and cool. I, I mean, that's you know, it's it's big. something to look forward to because yeah. I know that I'm gonna love it. Everyone tells me how much I'm gonna like it, especially because I've seen. I'm going through it now. So he Eraserhead Head seventy seven. That's technically he's in college when he makes that, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, which is I I I love and hate that so much when I see that like like when I hear that PTA was. 25 when he made boogie nights or something like that i'm like oh, i think he was makes... younger he was a kid yeah. yeah it makes me like crazy yeah. uh, where you know obviously it's 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 hard to it, it, there are different circumstances dominoes that fall but i'm just like jesus christ that's like kurt cobain was 24 when he did never mind you know you're it's, just, you know yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 i know it's crazy but so it's a racer head to elephant man which i think is just like wow. elephant man is i it, it, one of the most tragic stories I've ever yeah. seen. It's it's unbelievable. Dune is Oscar fascinating. Nominated. Yep, yep, that's right, that's right. Uh, Dune is fascinating. Um, it's uh, wh- how do you feel about Dune? How do you feel about Dune in totality? The world of Dune that we live in now. I mean, are we getting into Dune right now? This is such a this is a whole other you know. I, uh, so so Dune Dune was the book that was always around while I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I remembered watching the movie with my dad, but you know, it nothing really stuck. And I always remembered the name and I always remembered the cover and bits of the story and Sting and McLaughlin and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know. Um, but it was, again, it was something that I had to come to on my own terms as I was older. Yeah. Um, and- um, You've read you it? You know, obviously, you know, uh, oh, I've read the first three books, yeah. Okay dune messiah and children and children's maybe my favorite um and uh you know i i did an ep during the pandemic you know putting music to the songs that were in uh the first book of dune um okay uh which was just it was just a further it was again like you're just pandemic that that's how i spent my pandemic was just like every creative thought that popped into my head i was like let's do it you know yeah and um it was very silly but um yeah the books the books mean so much to me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think either filmed representation has, you know, met where I am with sure. the written work yet, but also where this most recent one cuts is right where it about is about to get, you know, pretty mind altering. And what I assume was maybe Lynch's portal in, um, I've kind of wondered what drew him to the story. Um, yeah. But that there had to be a similar thing that drew Hodorowski to wanting to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's fair. Which I, is like I, this meditative quality that you see in the characters and dream I, stuff, visions, you know. I don't know much about Dune except David Lynch's. Hmm. I've ne- I haven't read the books okay. and I it's I think what I want to do is read the main books, then watch the the denny dennis denny whatever villeneuve mm. uh the new stuff um 
because I love him. I love pretty much everything he's done. I Shamale is like uh, he is a little bit of like a just blank face to me. If that if that translates, just kind of like he's yeah. just kind of like handsome actor man. Um, no, yeah, I only else. knew him from like Lady Bird. I think that was the only movie that I'd Fair. seen before this that I was like, oh, okay, I know, I know that actual guy. But um, you know, the most important thing with Lynch and Dune was that he learned that he needed Final Cut, and yeah. De Laurentiis, you know, produced it, and you know, agreed while doing Dune that he would also finance whatever he did next, which was right. Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. Yeah, and is, Blue, Vel- Blue Velvet's unbelievable. Oh, that's yeah. like that feels like the beginning of a run where Wild at Heart I feel like it's a little more under the radar, but Blue Velvet's very clearly in the same world that Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, and Inland Empire. Yeah. And are. pervert movie. Yep. Oh yeah, big time pervert <laughs> movie. Yep. Um. And yeah, so then there's the Wild at Heart Twin Peaks movie, Lost Highway, which for some reason I thought Lost Hi- Lost Highway was after Mulholland Drive, but no, that makes sense that it's not. It does um, make sense that 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 it would have come before, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, Straight Story, which is my other blind spot, and then Mulholland Drive and and Inland Empire. Uh, and and so, so, Mulholland Drive itself. Let's let's get into it because there's it's not quite like it's an easy, uh, quick thing to to just get into uh, in and out of. All right, so <laughs> you already ex- explained your relationship with the movie, which was you're in high school, you see it in high school. And it, I assume you love it right off the hop. I did, you know, and it was, it was a very visceral reaction. And that's, that's something when, I think when Lynch is brought up, you know, in, in horror terms and stuff like that, you know, it's that same, it's that same kind of feeling where, where even even if the image doesn't make sense, even if you can't, you know, place w- what it means in the story, yeah, it affects you in such a way, and that's where like, what there's so few directors that can do something like that. So, you know, the the the, the immediate, you know, jumping around, but the most immediate scene in this movie was I remember the the first time seeing the Winky scene. Okay. You know, which is so early in the movie. It's so early in the movie. Yeah. You know, you have, uh, what's his name? Patrick Fischel is there, Fisher? Yep, he's the hitman, Fisher. right? Or, yeah. oh, you're, uh, no, yeah. you're, you're talking about the 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 stranger that, that is in the- yes, uh, behind the dumpster, yes. yep. yeah, yep, yep, at yep, Winkies, yep, yep. and recounting the dream. And I remember that the feeling, you know, watching it, and you're like, the, if, if I remember the first time watching it being like, there's no way that he's just laid out exactly what's about to happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then it yep. does. And you see the face, you get the low guttural tone. Um, and then the reaction that the actor has is basically what you feel. I felt my inside, you know, like my heart kind of skip, kind of stop, you know, for a second. Yep. And I've I've thought about it since. I don't think I've ever felt that watching a movie before. I mean, like pure. It was purely being scared. You mean that scared? Yeah, or, yeah. The perfect combination, you know, of really what it is and and what what he throws on the screens so much and so well. Like going back to Twin Peaks and and Bob and stuff like that. And I haven't seen it, but um, 
is that idea of the nightmare being put in the real setting, you know? Yeah. yeah. The nightmare, real life playing out like you've seen in a nightmare, sure. you know? And, uh, and that's terrifying. And you see how scary it is to that character just recalling the dream. So I remember that, you know? It's, it's the polar opposite of, have you ever seen The Treasure of the Sierra Madre? I haven't, no. So I've I I got into like the world of Humphrey Bogart recently where I'm just like trying to check off all the Humphrey Bogart movies. But there's like a moment at the end of it where it's like it's this harrowing harrowing story about, you know, just like the greed of man. And uh at the end, you know, someone says uh it's not as nothing's ever as bad as when you imagine it in your head like so I, I forget the exact that's kind of the gist of it. But this is kind of the polar opposite where it's like just as bad as the dream like you're saying oh, yeah. in real life um which is kind of a really cool really really cool yin and yang um oh not, yeah because yeah. i'm sure you know you've had those deja vu moments or whatever you know where you're somewhere and all of a sudden person you know doing this thing at this time sitting in that place something just you know kind of yeah. kind of hits you you know and he lays it all out in that scene and it's and it's fascinating and I, I don't know, you know, but like even before that, you know, in the movie, you know, watching it this this last time, um, you're struck by so much before you get to that scene. Um, you know, I mean, right off the get go, you know, I was I was, I was every time I'm analyzing the swing dance scene because yeah, it's the jitterbug. Yep, it's such a choice. It's such interesting filmmaking with the silhouettes and the characters you know, um, disappearing into the silhouettes. But what I was, you know, I was watching this time and I was pausing because I wanted to really look at the characters. I'd never really done that, you know? And mm -hmm. you see duality from the get-go. You know, mm -hmm. you see, there's, I think, two couples that are dancing and you see them not necessarily mirrored, but just overlaid on top of each other, you know? Yep. So you get yep. this weird duality sense from the get-go um, and then that haunting kind of image of Naomi flanked by, yeah, who I assume are her aunt and uncle. I've, yeah, I, it's 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 either grandparents or aunt and uncle. That's got to be it, right? Because we, yeah. not, I, I was really trying to pay attention to that last night, where you know she says she's from Ontario, and she mm -hmm. says as Betty, yes, you know the aunt Rita is in. Um, in Canada. Yes. And then when we see her later in the movie, at the dinner table, she talks about her aunt passing away. She's inherited some money from her. She was in film. You know what I mean? So it's... Yeah. It's, it's it's her... The, the A combination of that and this... My, my interpretation is that jitterbug, that being her weird uh, in into Hollywood, if that makes sense. That yeah, like... Totally. Yeah, she's she's made it's her step into the world of show business. Absolutely. And yeah. It's, and it's got to be her right answer. to the bedroom. Yeah. That first yeah. person perspective. So creepy, you know, and then the camera goes right down into the pillow. Yep. And from there, you know, you're flashed onto Mulholland Drive, you know, yep. it's yep. brilliant. It's he's yeah it, the trans. I, I did notice more more 
that that brings into kind of more the not not structure but the transitioning between stuff yeah. that i really paid attention to this time which is i how many times have you seen this thing oh so many i mean honestly in the last year in the last year you had you know you had criterion, criterion 4k releases so i got that i was all jacked up i watched it um then there's an independent theater in Charlotte that was doing a Lynch day based around the documentary that came out earlier this year, the Lynch Oz, which was interesting. Yeah. But I was like, I'd never seen it on the big screen. I'd never seen Maholland on the big screen. So I went early in the day to see that. Um, mm. Incredible experience. I mean, seeing a Lynch movie on the big screen with a theater of people, you know, like the humor really plays, you know, and there's a couple, there's a couple moments, you know, we'll dig into in this one um that's kind of the comic relief you know and yeah. in the theater it played so well it's well, so great that the my my direct comparable to that is this uh <laughs> i i'm lucky enough to be an hour and a half from manhattan so i you know that is i can essentially any week there's something playing on some screen that's just like oh wow this is in theaters right now last birthday i was lucky enough to uh last december there was a theater that was showing it was just someone did a, a curation of you know just a run of movies i forget what about but a serious man was playing which is like oh, probably cool. my favorite cohen movie and cool. i remember watching it as a kid with my friends and just like i had an in where i had an older friend who was into this stuff and and that you know you as you're younger, you're trying to mimic what you think is cool uh, at, at a very young age. And then you 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 grow your taste, essentially. And, yeah. you know, the transfer from I was like, oh, this is great. It's I didn't entirely at the time know why it was so great. But, you know, I, I then show it to my more uh, same age friends. And they're like, what, what, what is this thing? This is yeah. this is gobbledygook. And well, mentioning you know, Cohen Brothers and the humor that you have in this film, I think there's yeah. actually a, a a through line, you know, because I think the the hit scene man. with the hitman where he's in the office and he's getting the black book is so has the beats of the Cohen's kind of humor where funny stuff happens, kind of like you know, comical off the wall stuff, but he's killing people. You know what I yep. mean? Like Yep, the Fargo thing. Yeah, where it's like violence, it but it's so it, it, it's absurd violence and like the the thing in fargo is the like the the violence met with these the the juxtaposition between everyone being so pleasant but yeah the the idea of this this hitman who is just such a klutz i think yeah. is the the thing and i imagine that's what translated so well in theater probably the best in theaters in terms of humor yeah that and you know gene the pool cleaner you know sure that's yeah. billy ray cyrus you know that's billy billy ray is that's that is probably my the the funniest part of the movie for me just seeing him is so jarring he's every so, time but he, he's so like he plays so straight actually you know and you can tell yep. that he's trying to be level with justin thoreau's character you know and it's only until he comes out and sees her, you know, strangling his wife. Yeah, you know, yeah. He's like, ah, I guess I got to hit this guy, you know. It's, yep, yep. it's kind of funny. Yep. Um, but, but but the the yeah the 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 to to tie an end to my serious man thing. I saw I the the difference between seeing that with friends at a young age where we didn't quite get it, and then being a a twenty nine thirty year thirty thirtieth birthday it was being a thirty year old man in a theater with other middle aged men, uh, and everyone just you know 
dying laughing this whole time. It, but what you're what you're seeing on screen is like insane. Same thing with right. Mulholland Drive. It's the same, like you were saying. I wrote down that that I and I saw that when you sent me your notes, you wrote down that same note, which was uh, Hitman Coen Brothers. That it, it it's oh, yeah. a perfect analogy. Um, it really is. You feel it, and obviously, like they have. I mean, I'm sure David's seen a Coen Brothers movie. You know, he, he yeah. what's interesting about him as an artist is like, I just I don't think that he's like a crazy like he's not a Scorsese like cinephile. He doesn't live for this. I mean, he's an artist. He's painting. Yeah. He's doing music. He did all the sound design in this in this film. Um, so I think like he's got his stuff. He digs. And that kind of shaped and formed his thing. Yeah. And now he's like in his own good. brain, right? Like he's just in his yeah, own brain. You know what now. I mean? So yeah. so I think they pull from the same, you know, obviously influences. like the same influences. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, you know, I, I think you could definitely say that like Jacques Tati is like an influence um, yeah. in both camps for sure. You know, um, and you see that you see that influence a lot in Twin Peaks The Return. Um, because they, they, there's a they, there's a it well it's it's too big of a spoil to say since you haven't seen it but there's a character that is exactly like you know like playtime kind of you know that 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 right. kind of character but um yeah I think I think with this film also going back to the beginning seeing the credits is like for me got me so excited on this rewatch because you see. You see the all-star names, the fucking Lynch all-star crew. You know, right from the get-go, you have you have edited Mary Sweeney. You know, former uh-huh. former wife. You know, he did Lost Highway with her. Um, yep. I think Straight Story, and this, and that's kind of I think that's really important because she's not involved in editing on Inland Empire, uh-huh. um, which I love Inland Empire, and we can talk about that at some point. But like. You know, as far as like we talked about this being like so tight, you know, yeah, doing all of his things, but for but something about it is just to me, it feels so tight. Like I have to imagine it's she focused. was a big yeah. part of that, like knowing David so well, working with him and and corralling, possibly. I think that that's like such an important part of anyone's creative. I. I one of the pods that I'm listening to, right? Like there's, there's two big movie podcasts. I listen to one that we have in common, the rewatchables, which is just fun. Um, and then, and then a, another that's covering uh, Fincher right now. And that's his whole, that's the thing that they keep coming back to where it's like, he needs his team of people to yeah. reel, reel him into a certain extent, but also like uh, sculpt the vision that he has in his brain, which I, I think that, like you said about the editing right. you need, and that's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being in a band too, where you, I I think for both of our respective bands, we probably are the bigger prog rock guys of anyone else. Right. And, and some of those ideas are so big and different from the world of heavier music that, that we both kind of live in that. I feel like sometimes we come with a big idea, at least from my experience, I come with a big idea and sometimes I need to just be reeled in a little bit. And that's the kind of like, the 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 just yeah the how important that is yeah. to it's it's the idea for me you know like the older i get and the more music i write with others and 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 with a band like between the bear and me just having so so much time together is the idea that i can write something and then know once it gets put through the between the bear and me meat grinder you know what yeah. i mean it will it will end up so it's like i can write something knowing that 
you know, Blake, Tommy, Paul, whatever, you know, Dusty is going to, going to put their spin and it's, and it's going to, it's going to come out, you know, better. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think trusting in that, trusting in like Peter Deming, you know, his, his cinematographer is just like Uh mind blowing. But then the, uh, such a huge one, that name that I forgot was Jack Fisk, who's his production designer, um, Uh who was his oldest, oldest buddy growing up. His dad got him into painting. They were just like intertwined, you know? Um, Let me just, Real quick, give you some of Fisk's credits, all right? Yeah. Some of these I didn't know. So as art director, he worked on Badlands and Carrie. Those okay. are like early ones, incredible. So then That's as Malik. production yeah, designer, Malik. Phantom of the Paradise, okay. Palma, huge. He- and then um, he picks up on Straight Story, uh-huh. a little film called There Will Be Blood. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Free of Life, <laughs> The Master, The True Revenant. Life. And then is involved with a little picture called Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm very excited for that. I'm very, and So very... David gets his old buddy back to work on Mulholland Drive. He's got Peter Deming from Lost Highway and Twin Peaks, uh, The Return. It's just like, and then on Angelo Badalamenti, of course. It's just like, this is the all Yeah, the, the music, yeah. I, I, the, the, and the thing about the production design and the, the, the variety of those credits is really that, the variety where it's like, man, the difference between, the difference but the similarities between something like Carrie and There Will Be Blood, and I know that there's a big, you know, and, and even, even Badlands, right? But there's, yeah. there's big, big jumps in time, but it's like, yeah, man, I had see see that that the credits were completely off my radar in terms of what I I love. That's half of when when me and my buddies get together and watch movies. I feel like half the time, especially if there's something we've seen, half the time spent. Did you know that this guy was also doing this, this, and that? It's you know that's the fu- it's so fun. That's it's that fascinating. Rocks. Yeah. Yep. It really yep. is. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Um. Um. All right, I had uh two questions that open this movie up a little bit like yeah. I, I shouldn't say open it up in terms of like the the opening of the movie but they they open it up in a, in a way that is let me let me just i'll ask the questions it is uh how do you explain this movie to someone who's never seen it and then how do you explain this movie to someone who's seen it once because i feel like obviously this is one especially we both probably saw this you saw it in high school i saw it right out of high school we both see it at about the same time the you know how long does it take for you to realize you know oh this is a fucking dream like you know as a kid i i'm more than happy to admit like i was like what what did i just fucking watch and then of course oh yeah 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 second third watch where i'm like it's a fucking dream and then the more and more I watch it as the years go by and then you read stuff about it and you talk to people about it and you're like, then it really, it really kind of like, it really develops and it's, it's right there in front of you the whole time. Like now, right. now when we watch it, it's like so obvious, but especially at the age that, that, that we were both at seeing it, it's like, what the, what the fuck am I watching? Even though we love it. Right. So. I think with step? someone like David Lynch and his work, you know, I think that there is something about having um, having a ground, having a basis to build off of, knowing what his interests are, and that kind of informing how you're taking in what you're seeing because you've experienced, you know, doppelgangers in different forms throughout yep. his work. Um, 
And, and what that could, you know, I, I think what's really cool about David Lynch and how I describe this movie to someone is that I think he does work in very simple terms. Mm-hmm. And I think that then it just goes through his art brain, whatever, how he's going to tie something to something else uh, that it ends up the way that it does. But I think in, you know, I think this is a, this is a mystery. It's not necessarily like a whodunit mm-hmm. as much as like, who is this person? And that's fascinating because yeah. that's so much bigger when you see the full movie, when you've seen it a million times, you know, you're trying to figure out really, you know, maybe less who Rita is and more who Betty Diane is, you know, yeah, it, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think that there's, there's a noir thing, but almost more to the look, you know, it's got yeah. this classic look. I don't think it's necessarily has so many of those, those kind of tropes. I think if it laid into the detective side of it more, which is, you know, um, that might be a thing, you know, it's so cool to see Robert Forrester in, in, yeah. in this, in this thing. And I know that, you know, it, originally this was supposed to be a TV show. Yes. That's how he pitched it. And that it was going to be this big thing. And I think he was going to be a bigger part of it. And then, you know, on the criterion, there's one deleted scene and that's again, how tight it was. There's one deleted scene and it's him in the detective office. It's kind of bonkers. It doesn't really add to the story. And yeah, but it's still cool. It I've seen like it. That, you know, it's great. It's, it's cool to see him in that. And um, he does appear in Twin Peaks: The Return, which is nice. So it's almost like he gets he gets to fulfill that um, sort of thing. But then, yeah, to someone that's seen it already, you know, I would say, you know, it's um, it's about the trauma of you know, killing someone that you were in love with that didn't love you and dealing with those demons. Yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good, that's that's a pretty good, you know, and then obviously there is a 30 minute conversation after that when you, when someone, they go, whoa, whoa, whoa what do you mean by that? Especially, you know, someone at, at, at a younger age or someone who's just seen it is like, whoa, what did I watch? Yeah. That you have to, but, but that is actually a pretty tight, pretty, pretty like tidy way of, of kind of there's stuff about Hollywood. That's interesting too. the, uh, the, the kind of, uh, the, the way that I always say it to someone that's seen it or to, to someone that hasn't seen it, it's like, Oh, it's just an interesting mystery that you have to give yourself to. I always use that term, give yourself to where there's like certain movies and, and music that you have and, and regular just pieces of art, which that, that world eludes me a little bit right now, just because I'm, engulfed in my music and movies but i know you are more uh like i see you constantly going to different physical art galleries and and painting stuff sculpture stuff i'm sure it's the same thing where there's certain things that you can interpret on the like while you're taking it in and there's others that you literally just have to give yourself to it and whatever you feel while it's happening you just have to like let that happen yeah and i think that's what's so i understand how how the normal film watcher is just watching these movies, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. Catch up and, with it, yeah. and, and, and I think the cooler thing, experiencing David Lynch movies uh, longer and longer over time is you're, it's just experiencing, you know? Yeah. And 
And Twin Peaks, the return really is kind of the ultimate, you know, I'm, I'm excited for you to be able to see it, but it really feels like the culmination of all his work. Like he brought it all together. Um, and is, yeah, and is to that just to be able to return... just experience. Oh yeah. No. Okay. The return is, uh, uh, the return is not a movie. The return is the show coming back, right? 27. I mean, yeah, 20, 2017, you know, he describes it as an 18 hour film. Okay. Cool. 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 Go yeah. on, go on. Um, anyways. Yeah. So, um, it is interesting though in watching this one because you do really, you know, I don't, it is interesting because it doesn't, it's not throwing you back and forth between worlds like Lost Highway kind of does, you know, Lost yep. Highway, you know, you're, you're really in Bill Pullman's world and then, and then you shift and then it kind of is pulling back and forth in the end between these two, um, which is really cool because again, it's, it's another character dealing with this horrible thing that happened he killed yep. a lover you know what i mean like yep. and yep. and it's almost like his brain deteriorate i don't know we're not gonna get into lost highway but you know sure. what i mean but um but i think looking at it from this from this way it is so linear until it's it's kind of not you know what i mean and yeah. um and it is interesting yeah like you were saying like he is able to work in a lot of these things, you know, it's, I don't think it's, it's, you know, it shows the film industry in a dark way, you know, yeah. in, in quite a few ways, you know, you have the shady character who's behind the double glass, the man in the chair, that guy. Yes. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Pulling the strings. Um, you have, you know, the shady people pushing, you know, the acts on the director. On the director the 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 one of one of my notes was and it's just something that you know you you see something in a movie and just a line of dialogue that you just repeat in everyday life just out of nowhere for no reason my one of mine is this is the girl this oh, this is the girl cute. just the it's it's so it, it is it's it's weirdly haunting but it is it's also kind of funny too the way that he just He's just so honed in on the, this. Is right. The well, it's interesting how it's presented in, you know, the kind of dream version, which is, which is the girl who's going to play the part, you know, yeah. Camilla Rhodes is the girl. Camilla Rhodes is presented as the girl later in the movie as being, this is the girl you're going to kill. The real you life know? in real life. It, and so that's the, the, the bigger, not not like too long, but the bigger explanation that I usually give to, like for instance, my brother-in-law just watched this movie, and he he and it's it is kind of a weird thing where you see it once and then you immediately want to see it again, and he was like, I gotta I gotta rewatch it. What was and this was kind of the 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 whole thing being, and if you've gotten this far in the pod and you haven't seen Mulholland Drive, I think we've I think we've kind of spoiled it, but it's also kind of impossible to spoil this movie, um because. Yeah, I mean, I I figured probably that there would be a spoiler warning on yeah. this. Yeah, that, yeah. You, know what I mean? you can definitely talk about it without the specifics, but it's, you know, I don't know. It's no, 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 no. Don't worry. Don't, the spoiling is not. That's not an issue. It's yeah. uh, so. But but what I what I what I always do say is yeah. It's uh, so less not less it's the same amount of weight that I have to the 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 evils of Hollywood thing, or it ties in directly. I should say with her killing Camilla Rhodes in real life. And oh, yeah. it's this, it's this, you know, 
the 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 dream is the the guilt uh it's it's the culmination of like the guilt in real life and and that's the thing about the dream the the dream world where it's just like the thing that i'm still putting together and i know i've i've uh i was going to explain how i explained the movie to my brother-in-law but i think i'm off on a different tangent because i want to get to this dream world thing um the the thing about this dream world that i love so much in the last like 30 minutes is when we see all of the the, the thing that keeps me coming back to it is what's arbitrary and what's not. Is there anything that's arbitrary? Like the seeing like the cowboy himself, is this arbitrary that she saw him for a split second and now he is in the dream for the, the two times, you know, the, the two times that he right. is. I um, think it's very, I mean, the cowboy scene itself when Justin Thoreau's character the director encounters him is one of those, I mean, that's one of those scenes you remember when you see this for the first time, you know, mm -hmm. because it feels, you know, I'm sure everyone's had a situation in life where you reflect back on and you're like, that doesn't seem real that that yep. happened, that setting, that whatever, that this thing was like this or whatever. And that's one of those ones that, you know, after you come away from the scene, you're like, kind of, what was that, you know? And the way the lights dim at the end of it, you know, and oh, Adam's yeah. just left there in the dark. I mean, it's another it's transition pretty, that's unbelievable. Right. And it's it's another where it's like, is that cowboy necessarily intimidating or is it just the unsettling nature of it? You know, that and, yeah, and I, I think it's a very interesting, you know, and the thing that that again, that specifically about, you know, whether it's the cowboy or something else that keeps me coming back to it outside of everything else. But one of the things that keeps me coming back to it is d why is, why is he a cowboy? Is it just because someone was wearing a cowboy hat at a party she was at? What like, and I'm trying to, as I keep going back and rewatching it, like you did this time where you're pausing during the jitterbug in the beginning, you yeah. find yourself like, like more locked in uh, as opposed to, you know, you give yourself to it at first and then, right. you know, more and more, that's when you, you, put the puzzle pieces together and what what is like a puzzle piece that fits for the whole picture and what is just like a puzzle piece that was in the box that isn't necessarily part of the puzzle it's just like this doesn't actually fit in the puzzle but it was in right. here so what do i what do i fucking do with this the dream logic idea of it is so interesting because you know i just feel like your dreams are like that where you know i'll yep. wake up from a dream and it'll be like there was some kid that i played soccer with when I was a kid, but I've not seen that person as an adult. So I'm like, was that name just attributed to someone else in the dream? And I just interpreted that it was that person. And um, that's the whole, you know, that's the whole first bit, the whole most of that movie, you know, are yeah. these, this, this like, you know, jumbled up grouping of people that she's encountered throughout you know yeah. the, the this time in LA really you know what I mean or even you know if you want to go further back um with her you know if it's her aunt and uncle that that were attributing to the two older people that are rushing yeah. her out of the airport into, into LA and then you have that phenomenal scene of the two older people in the car driving away uh, just yeah yeah laughing yeah. it up having fun like man and that always reminded me of the uh the black hole sun video where it's just like everyone's kind of like demented and like smiling and their faces are contorting while the world's just melting away behind them and sure sure man. yeah yep. 
Yep. I yep. wondered yep. what what the day. There, there, there's a few moments in in cinema history where I'm like, man, I wonder what that that day was like on on set. One is the Suspiria remake. You know, the big oh. blowout at the end. You know, just sure. the. I'm just like, what was that day like on set? And then uh, the end of this movie, you know, where it's her and the two of them chasing her and yeah. the smoke machines going off and the strobes. And I'm sure David was giving just like wild directives, more, 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 you know, whatever. Frantic, whatever. Yeah. I was, what was that day like, man? Like, <laughs> must have been yep. Yep. pretty nuts, you know? Yep. Uh, is there anything else? about the plot that you wanted to highlight because uh there was a couple i i wanted to i wanted to take a look at naomi watts and just like where she's at yeah. in her career yeah it's important but, i i think just the you know something that that strikes me the last couple times i've seen this movie is just like how just he just shoots la so well you know what yeah. i mean there's like there's shots at night where he's just got you know, the, the perfect image of, of shadows cascading across, you know, um, looking out over the city, his overhead shots, which I assume at that time were like helicopter, you know, he does really cool drone stuff in 26, yeah. but like, yeah, at that time, you know, um, the overhead stuff and, and just setting this, this dream world, you know, as being this place where people are coming to realize their dreams, have their dreams broken, you know, um, he just filmed that place so so well i just it's just incredible setting you know which is funny because like i remember bemoaning when true detective took their second season to la and i was like that's what made the first season so cool was that you know it was this like this weird place where it's just like the second that you stepped in you were like in the bayou it just it just felt yeah strange and now all of a sudden we're just telling an la detective story and it's yeah. incredible that he's able to take that familiar setting and make it demented something else yeah yeah but yeah. yeah this is really what put naomi on the map you know it's wild to think right so so let me before i even get to naomi let me let me just skim through these notes to make sure there's nothing that i'm oh there's the bit well again this is the arbitrary dream world logic the the name thing Obviously, Camille Rhodes in in real life, and the uh, the Gilda poster, um, her her uh, being Rita. Uh, yeah. uh, have you have you done Gilda? Are you are you like in that world? Have you delved into that world of noir yet? No, um, you know, I I struggle with, you know, there's stuff when I go back that I love, and there's stuff when I go back that just doesn't doesn't hit me, you know, like. Uh -huh. Like I heard Tarantino say that De Palma makes his favorite Hitchcock movies. And I almost have a similar relationship where I've seen like some Hitchcock stuff that I really love, like Rear Window and, and yeah, Psycho, of course. And then yeah. like, like I, I thought Vertigo was gonna be my movie. And it just really oh, was- really? Like, you don't like Vertigo? Just, just a little too like, uh, you know, old timey. See, like it just didn't really like hit me the same way and um sure so it's yeah there's some stuff like like i you know again a big one that i that i referenced or uh, that's referenced right away in this is sunset boulevard yeah. you know which you know is one of his favorite movies and when you see this the, the shot of that that street sign saying sunset boulevard you know it's kind of a nod to this old timey hollywood thing but that's like an older one that 
that I saw and really loved, you know? Right. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to compile like a short list of noirs that I think you may have already even seen, uh, that I think would hit you. And it's so curious that, and you've done vertigo once. Yeah. I think at some point you may go back to vertigo. I, 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 his, stuff, it's, there's stuff that I liked in it, but you know, yeah, I just, I just didn't like the ending just didn't particularly hit me the way it just felt a little too like, yeah, sure. That's fair. That's but, fair. And the, the other one demented one that I always think of that I feel like is it got a big spotlight on it now because it's in the criterion collection and because it is so notably demented for that time is night of the hunter. Have you done night of the hunter? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Night of yeah, the hunter's yeah, great. Yeah. 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 I Love figured night that would hunter. be, that would be one that you would, that you would really like. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, it's really, you know, for me, it's, yeah, it's pre uh, kind of the, the pre sixties stuff, you know? Yeah. Every now and then there's, there's something that, that finds its way out, but it's, it just, it seems like once it gets into that decade is, is really when I start, start kind of clicking with stuff. Have you done double indemnity? No, that you, maybe you'd like that, but I, I, I do have to lock into a different mode when I am like the, one of the things me and my wife do is like, we have, we have cable, so we have TCM. So it's like, we just locked into noirs and now I'm like, I have two modes, not two modes, but when it comes to crime stuff, it's like that, that Humphrey Bogart, Barbara Stanwyck world is like, I, I, I think there's some stuff that, that, that you would like in it, but, uh, but yeah, no, I was just curious if, if you, you know, what your Gilda, what your, your Gilda view was. Um, yeah. Don't really have a relationship, you know, and that it's and fine. Gilda's fine. Laura Herring is is so interesting in this too because I feel like I only really know her from this, you know. And when you flip through her IMDb, you're kind of like, oh yeah, because I haven't seen, you know, yeah. any of the yeah. stuff. You know, like she's so good in this and so striking and so like. Of course, she's playing a character who's like a little aloof and like concussed yeah. and like out of it and stuff, but um. Well, it's such a presence, you know, and paired with Naomi is like incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, the 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 other, I think one of the other notes. Oh, one of my other little notes that I'm gonna bring back in one of these questions at the very at the very end. Well, there's two. There's two things. One is a little bit more of a. I'm curious what your take on it is, and the other is just a a quick throwaway, which is I gotta see whatever the cheap erotic th thriller that Betty is reading for in like the, 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 the reading that she does uh, yeah. in the, in the dream world um, before we're on set with uh, Camilla Rhodes and whatever right. that, that, that is like, uh, I, I, I want to see that movie so bad, whatever that is. Yeah. And um, even that's an interesting thing, you know, that's him commenting on, you know, I don't know, maybe one, how weird that process is. Anytime I see like, auditioning stuff you know oh, yeah real staged i'm like this i can't put it into terms with music stuff i mean i did one no. i guess i did a couple auditions for college you know for music stuff it, yeah it's just so awkward you know but then you have this guy who's like kind of gross you know yeah, and everyone yeah. kind of just being like aloof in the room and it's like yeah i think he's he's totally commenting on that i mean you know i've you know the the behind the scenes stuff in this film where you just have the fly on the wall and any of the stuff of his that I've seen, like, 
his actors just love him, you know, yeah. and they just have a ball on set, you know, and the only time he seems to get fraught is not with his actors, but is with restrictions or, yeah. you know, getting things to like to happen just the time that things take, but he seems just so beloved. And in this one, you know, his relationship with, with Naomi and Laura just seems so special and so nice. Yeah. It's it is just insane that it's it's been so long since the last movie. We were talking we were talking about last time well, we saw each other. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think you know a big part of it because you know with Cronenberg just making another movie last year is these so guys couldn't get that. financing. You know, yeah. and this is financed by this French company, yeah. um, Studio Canal, who did. Um, they might have, they might have done Inland as well. Um, I think so. They're involved in the world of like physical Blu-ray stuff because I know that yeah. there's Studio Canal, you know. But but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so frustrating, and that's where I'm so like I'm so thankful that Showtime, you know, gave him. I mean, virtually, you know, his the largest budget he's ever had to do it. This 18-hour blowout weirdo Twin Peaks stuff, and then of course, you know, there's been rumors for fucking years now about this next project unrecorded night is supposed mm -hmm. to be funded initially by Netflix. There was rumors that it was going to be at Cannes two years ago. Yeah. And there's, there, there's just, there's no update if it's dead, if it's, it's and so it, frustrating, but. And he, he, he won't speak a, a word about it either. No. And, it, and it's honestly like, I, I feel a little, cause he was doing his week, his weekly updates, you know? Yeah. And, um, and they kind of stopped right around when when Angelo Badalamenti passed last yeah. year. And there was a while where people were like, oh, I wonder if he's going dark because he's in this final stage Movie of doing world. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's possible. And, you know, the, the way he's talked about Angelo, it's, you know, it really was kind of like his brother. I mean, his guy that they had such a special relationship, you know. And I think you can tell from the music in this where... They just they, they could feed off off moods so well. I'm sure David never referenced a composer or or a movie or anything. I'm sure it, it was to. just all him tones. And you know, there's such an interesting contrast. I don't know if you picked up on the music in this movie between the Dream World. Dream World is all it's so string heavy. You know, there's the beautiful love theme when when they come together right before club silencio uh -huh. you know and when and and that's mirrored against what we see in the real world which is you know there's like kind of drum machine stuff it's more of the like the harsh sound design that he was doing um some guitar laden stuff but no like symphonic kind of stuff it's less whatsoever. dreamy it's less dreamy it's more harsh it's more like like being plopped yeah. into reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. When you see when you see the love scene between her um and Camilla, you know, in the real world, I mean it's not it's not beautiful. No, yeah. It's you know, it's, it's, like, not, it's very grim. <laughs> you know, um it's very grim. So that's uh that's a big contrast and um you know, something that I made note of when you when you do have the love scene in the the dream world. Mm is Naomi saying, I love you, I'm in love with you, and she still doesn't get it in return from, from Rita. Yeah. 
I, which, I didn't pick up on that. That's uh, again one of the things that keep, makes me keep coming back to this movie. Yeah, and things. then but then you're cut straight from that to Silencio, <laughs> and Club Silencio is just like my favorite thing. Not my favorite thing, but like anytime a David Lynch project is coming up upon playtime, which yeah. in Twin Peaks is the Red Room. You know, it's that there's all these things. You know, you just, you sit up in your chair. So the second, you know, because even on this time, I've seen this movie so many times, you get so sucked in to this beautiful moment and the strings, and then it kind of cuts away and they're still in bed. And then Rita starts saying, silencio, silencio. And you just start sitting up because you're like, oh this shit, is, it's about to, it's about to your, happen. This is your page turn moment, right? Oh man. And it's, it's, in, it's fucking incredible, man. Let's it's let's a- talk let's talk Club Silencio. Fuck it. Let's Ugh. let's talk Club Silencio. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this now. Every uh every pod that I do because I I honestly have not done any of these pods without w- with anyone who wasn't a friend. So it's like you know we're we're friends. So of course I'm gonna say it. Uh, we should do. Well, let's do another one of these at some point next year. Let's. I'm gonna propose this. We should do. Lost Highway and Inland Empire, where we just talk about both of them. And we do it, you know, we keep it to, we try and keep it to an hour 20, you know, just for the fun of it. How do you do with Inland? I I have seen it once. And so I, I will not, it's like, I've seen it once. So it feels like I don't have the right to really talk about it. You know, does that make sense? I saw it. So I've seen it multiple times, but when I saw the 4K remaster last year in the theater was the first time that I saw it in one sitting. Okay. That, I mean, that makes sense because it is, uh, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot. And it's like, it's hard to keep track of if that. that well, and sense. what I think of with that one is I think the first hour, hour and a half is like, is up there with Mulholland, like the greatest of the great. I really do like seeing, especially seeing, the like remaster stuff they were able to do with it, which was yeah. like pretty incredible, like really getting more out of the the dark stuff in it. Um, when it turns the page and it goes into that world, it it goes for longer than he's ever done in any of his work. And so that's that's where I think it's it gets hard because you have less to tether to. Yeah. And yeah. you're so out and and you're just you're in Poland. <laughs> yeah. Where what yeah, and it's less of like what's yeah. going on. You just you almost forget your frame of reference. Yeah, it's hard to keep track of everything. You know. It's, it, yeah, yeah. Let's so, do. Let's. I'm gonna check in in one year. Let's let's try and have let's try and have a a, a lost highway, which is easier to talk about. Maybe yeah. maybe we do separate ones. Maybe we just do one lost highway, <laughs> and the next year well, I do inland, and yeah. we keep the pod going on until we're in our fifties or whatever. Um, so my favorite. What I think is incredible as we're getting into Club Silencio. Club Silencio is you have to remember at this point, we basically are seeing in the car, you're seeing two Dianes or two Bettys. You're seeing, you know, because she cut her hair because she was freaked out. She happened to have a wig that was exactly, yeah, yeah. you know, Diane Betty's hairstyle. So that's the setting that we're being thrown into Club Silencio. And you have that amazing shot in the alley that's almost like a Sam Raimi, you know, evil yeah. dead yep, kind of yep. shot. I um, had that in my notes, just the way that the camera moves. Dude, it's unreal how uh, it's so 
why it's just incredible it's just an incredible fucking cool shot and yeah. then you're put in this theater and you know this theater is famous for this and just an unreal setting in twin peaks the return mm. which i am so sad to report to you if you didn't know this that that theater famous theater in la is now an apple store jesus christ it's, it's it, it, you should look it up it's so like gut-wrenching the way it looks it's like sterile so it's this incredible theater right yeah. and it's you know i'm curious what you get out of club silencio um but i th i think it's multiple things right it's it's that it shows that this is not real that's yes. just it could not be said any more bluntly this is a recording this is a tape yeah your experiencing is not real right Yes. She has that fucking kind of like seizure for yeah. a brief second. That's that's wild. She comes back too. But the other thing is this idea of this unreal, like seeing that Rebecca Del Rio song in the theater, which so here's the other thing. That's a Roy Orbison song, Crying. Uh -huh. I looked up the lyrics last night. I'd never done this before, but I was like, okay, you know, it's in Spanish. So let me look up Roy's version, see it in English. It's the songs all about loving someone you can't have. So okay. again, Makes it's sense. so, per it's so, he's so purposeful. It's so purposeful. Um, but you just get sucked into this like unreal thing. When I saw it in the theater, it was like, no one was breathing. Yeah, you know, during that performance, moments. acapella performance, and so it's again it's just like he has this way with images with settings and mood that it just nothing fucking matters the guy just told you it's all a recording this isn't real and yeah. yet you're just you you can't look away you can't breathe the characters are crying you know, it's like it's my, unreal my my read cuz so so my read on it was was less less about like i i love that you translated the lyrics that that actually is you know again it's 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 more just telling how purposeful everything that he does is and every every everything it's it's almost like uh pushing back on the idea that some of that anything in this movie is arbitrary the idea of right. like the reason that the cowboy is a cowboy or whatever else the blue box whatever the i'm sure right down to it it's nothing's arbitrary uh but but you know like i said i was i was so honed in on transition this time that uh my my big thing with club silencio was this was like you know this was the transition and i think about my dreams and how it almost feels like the climax of our dreams is when right. we're about to wake up yeah um and you know i i just felt as i that's how i kind of felt like uh all right this is a transition this is a build to like absolute absurdity right. until we're about to be woken back up, you know, or like time to wake up the, as the. Well, and of says. course you see the blue the end. at the very end, right? That's how yeah. the movie ends is silencio, you know? Another so trend. transition. Yep. If we're, if we're like partaking in spoilers, you know, turn this yeah. off. If you haven't seen Mulholland and drive after she shoots herself in the fucking head, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? The lady says silencio. So it's. Yeah. That's Game it. over, right? Yeah, we're done. Yep, yep. So, yeah, it's interesting to think of that, of that, that in that space, you know, um, and maybe even where this movie falls in 
altogether, um, is the head hitting the pillow? You know, because we see where the where the body is, right? Multiple times in the movie, you see Diane and, or you know Betty and Rita stumbling upon the bar the body in the yeah. same position as the cowboy finds it, and we know that it's Diane. Does the head hitting the pillow, is that really post shooting herself okay. in the head? Right, right. Yeah. Again, um, this, it's, it's like digging in the weeds that I don't course. think you're supposed to be in in this movie, you know? This but, is the, the 60th watch. Yes, yeah. I totally get I Yeah, no. yeah, completely. Yeah, um, man. Uh, what I, 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 I texted it to you before. I said, what a dope and cool movie. What what a cool movie! Um, uh, all right, I'm I'm gonna ask you. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. Final. No, thought? I'm just gonna say it's been 20 years, and I still think about it, and I still, you know, kind of try to decode. So another thing, this was a first that I watched. Have you ever seen that when the movie was released, David Lynch released a clue sheet? No. Have you ever seen the sheet of clues? No, I haven't seen the sheet can of I, clues. Can I read them to you real quick? Absolutely. Because I watched, and I'll send it to you too, but um, yeah. I watched along and I filled in, there's 10, 10 uh, uh, David Lynch's 10 clues to unlocking this thriller. Number one, pay particular attention in the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Okay. Two, notice the appearance of the red lampshade. Three, mm-hmm. can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning the actress for? Is it mentioned again? Four, an accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. Five, who gives a key and why? Six, yeah. notice the robe, the ashtray, which is a weird fucking note because I, I jotted down what it is, and the coffee cup. Seven, what is felt, realized, and gathered at Club Silencio? Right. Eight, did talent alone help Camilla? Nine, yeah, note the yeah. occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. And finally, 10, where is Aunt Ruth? (laughs) (laughs) It's almost like, if she says that Aunt Ruth is dead, why is that the last clue that he gives? Which is like, yeah. um, Well, that, that, that brings back your uh, whole thing to the, like you said, when, when they're, when they're driving away in the fucking car and they're laughing that, that, that brings me back to that thought. Oh, he's, 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 I said it about the movie, but uh, I'm going to say it about David Lynch. He is a cool guy. Um, He's so cool. He is so cool. All right, I'm gonna do. Uh, we'll we'll touch on anything that we uh, that that we missed when we do the next one in a year or whatever. But I have f- rapid fire questions for you. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, all right. Could you pull off a cowboy hat? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm gonna skip that one because that one's long. Um. Oh, okay. Uh, what is a good double feature with the fake erotic thriller being auditioned for in the dream? <laughs> oh, let's let's say let's say a favorite of ours and say Crash. Right? Hey, that's fair. That's completely fair. <laughs> yep. I was I I thought um I I thought maybe something like a perfect murder. I was thinking Michael Douglas. He's oh always yeah, in those. yeah, yeah. Now that, that kind of world, yeah. And what I'll I'll, I'll just do one more. What would your fake dream name be? Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think if there are any like aliases that I've gone by, but no, I don't. 
Because it could be arbitrary. Well, if Daniel's a biblical name, would it be another, you know, biblical name? One of my favorite biblical names is Malachi. I think Malachi is such a cool name. That is a cool name. Uh, I I don't know if I can pull off a Malachi, but... (laughs) You can pull pull off a Malachi. I think anyone that's got uh, the type of hair that either of us do can pull off a a name that is a little bit more uh, essential. Right. Well, either that or it would be something like a David, like literally just sure. like right, you know, close. An- another sort of like in that world, but it's just yeah, um, not all right to Lynch, but just yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan, this was uh, this was great, and um, I'm sure I'll I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you soon, and we'll we'll figure out Lost Highway Pod, and we'll um, I mean you know we'll see each other sooner than later. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, and. Yeah, uh, my my last little note, uh, what was I going to say? I'm going to end with two things. If you hear Dan one more time, it means I did a bad job. If you hear Dan <laughs> two or more times, it means I did a good job. And I'll let you say the last word of what the pod should be. What is the box? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss it. Um, All right, man. Silen- Thanks, dude. Silencio.